Amen. Thank you for your giving. Let's bow our heads one more time for the word of God. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I'm praying that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, illuminate the hearts of the hearers and the ears of your listeners. God, let no one's coming be in vain. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. All right, let's do what we customarily do with your Bibles in your hands or however you connect to the word of God. And repeat after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm at Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Now, if you believe it, go ahead and make some noise. Amen. Mother Mitchell's out of town, so I'll be doing the reading. And uh, I got my tea up here, so I don't know how I thought I was going to read and drink tea. So if I take a sip, just just bear with me. I'm just trying to make sure my voice is right. So we've been in what we've been calling our kingdom series. And so we have stayed in this thing for a while, and the Lord has been blessing us. And so we're just going to do a quick recap. We had uh, King of Kings was the first sermon. I won't even tell us what it's about. Hopefully you remember And then we went to Kingdom Come, and then Sister Kelly preached for me, and she talked about there is a king in me. And then the last two weeks was Kingdom Wealth Part 1, and then Kingdom Wealth Part 2. And so that leads me to today's sermon, and today's sermon is Kingdom Triumph. Somebody say Kingdom Triumph. And so what we're going to do, we're going to define kingdom again, and then we'll move forward. And so Kingdom is this, and this is uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, a realm under the control of a particular person or thing. And number two, and this is the one we've been focusing on, because it says the spiritual reign or authority of God, the rule of God or Christ in a future age. And what we've been talking about, this particular definition, the reason why I liked it is because it is not a biblical definition. This was a secular dictionary that acknowledges that there is a reign of a king, a godly king. But then it says in a future age, and what we've been saying is we're not waiting for the future age. We are actually moving the kingdom here now. In other words, we're not waiting to escape to heaven. We want some stuff to happen right now. Brother Donald Smith would always say, he said, I don't just want the pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. I want some cake on my plate while I wait. Amen. In other words, so I don't need money in heaven. I don't need a strong marriage in heaven. I don't need a healed body in heaven. I need some of that stuff right now. 
And so if we put everything off to escape and we just going to wait, but no, we want the kingdom to show up right now. Kingdom in my mind, kingdom in my body, kingdom in my relationships, kingdom in my bank account, kingdom in my thinking. So that's the premise. We don't want to put it all off in the future age. We need some of that to work right now. Because as long as they're grabbing guns and killing kids in schools, we need the kingdom of God to show up now. So that's the premise that we've been working with. That that ought to get everybody caught up. But now I want to give us the definition of triumph. Triumph is this. Number one, a great victory or achievement. Number two, joy or satisfaction resulting from a success or victory. And so we're talking about something that is victorious. Now, the problem with us talking about victory that in this earthly age, it doesn't always feel like we are winning. It often feels like we're losing. But kingdom triumph is to prove to you that we have already won. And so we're not working for victory. We're actually working from victory and it takes a while for us to catch it and for the revelation to click because we deal with junk now we deal with life now we deal with issues now but we got to make up in our mind we have to adjust our thinking that i'm a winner now i'm a winner already i'm a winner before the game starts i'm a winner That's what I like about Michael Jordan. He had a winning mentality before they blew the whistle and threw the ball up. He already had a mindset that I'm going to win. If they happen to lose this game, it didn't make a difference because I'm going to win the next game or the next game. If I miss this shot, I'm going to hit the next shot. But many of us, the moment we face some type of loss, we act like we're just going to lose forever. No, no, I'm not going to lose forever. If I'm losing, it's momentary. If I'm losing, it's temporary. If I'm falling, it's just a setback for a setup. I'm not going to lose forever. I'm not going to be broke forever. I'm not going to be depressed forever. I'm not going to be crying forever. I'm bouncing back because at the end of the day, I'm a winner right now. And so kingdom triumph is showing us when we became winners, even though it don't always feel like we're going to win. Now, uh, what I like to look at it as I like to look at it as like a boxing match, because in a boxing match, you don't win every round sometimes. And sometimes in order to win in boxing, you take shots. And I've seen people that look like they were losing their eye was swelling up, but they were still swinging. They were still punching. The only way you lose in this spiritual fight is if you stop punching. See, if you take a hit, doesn't mean you've lost. You haven't lost until the fat lady is sung. And guess what? I'm plugging the fat lady's mouth. I'm not losing as long as they keep me in the fight. And as long as I keep swinging, at the end of the day, I'm going to be victorious. Now, I'm supposed to be teaching and I'm trying to preach. So let me pause and bring myself back and so we can move into this. So let's let's put this up here. So we're going to be talking about the triumphant entry, which is also known as Palm Sunday. So today is Palm Sunday. And uh, I'll give us another phrase for it. It's also known as Passion Sunday. It's the beginning of the Holy Week. So in Christendom, it is the beginning. It is the first Sunday leading to the cross leading to the death, burial, and resurrection. And so there's much to do made about 
the death, burial, and resurrection and uh, resurrection Sunday. But the Sunday before actually starts the journey toward that time. And so they call it the triumphant entry, which is interesting because we know the story and we know that he was headed to death. And so it really didn't look like triumph. And it really didn't look like victory, but God had a master plan. Somebody say master plan. So God had a master plan. And so what you have to understand, if the master plan for Jesus looked like losing to begin with, what makes you so special that you can't lose every now and then? Oh, pastor, they stabbed me in the back. Get over it. That's life. People going to talk about you, lie on you stab you in your back and they say it all the time if they talked about Jesus and killed Jesus who are you that you can't go through nothing deliver me from wishy-washy Christians that can't face nothing I need some people willing to fight willing to take a punch willing to be like a Timex I take a licking but I keep on ticking I'm not going to fold just because I go through some trouble so the idea is that you are already trying Triumphant, and we were triumphant in this moment. So let's go to the scripture, and then we'll try to give us some teaching and get us out of here. Mark uh, 11, 1 through 10, reading just the story, just how it goes. Mark 11, 1 says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. Verse 2, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, You will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. 11.3. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and he will send it back here shortly. There's a lot that I can say about that, but I I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. But I do want to give us the prophetic implication. So when that happened, every time that we see Jesus doing things, he was actually fulfilling scripture. And so I want to show you the scripture he was fulfilling. Let's back up and let's go to Zechariah 9, 9. It says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, And then it says this, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. Now, righteous, victorious, don't seem to butt well with lowly. But what we have to understand is God was already king where he was. He was already victorious where he was. He was already triumphant where he was. But he didn't want to win by himself. Now, I got to take a quick rabbit trail. Deliver me from people who want to win by themselves. In other words, when I get blessed, I want to run off and hide somewhere. I want to move out the neighborhood. I want to get away from y'all. If I hit the lottery, ain't none of y'all going to know it. I'm going to act like I ain't got nothing because I want to win by myself. I want to eat by myself because it's all about me. Well, God wasn't like that. He was already winning, but he wanted to win with us. 
And so the Bible says he had to leave heaven and step into earth. And the moment he left heaven and stepped into earth, he had already downgraded himself. He had already became low, but he only became low so he could win with you and I. He didn't want to win by himself. He wanted to win with us. In other words, he wanted to elevate all of us up so that we could win together. In other words, he was saying, if I eat, you eat. If I get blessed, you get blessed. If I'm on top, you on top. But in order for me to do that, I got to come low. I'm righteous and I'm victorious, but I'm lowering myself and I'm coming down even on a donkey. And some of y'all know how the King James calls a donkey. He calls it an ASS. So I'm coming all the way down to the ASS so that I can be with y'all because y'all ain't worth a dime. But if I step in your life, I can elevate you and bring you where you need to be. So it didn't look like he was winning, but only because he sacrificed for you and I. Now, let me say that if he came low for me, I might as well go high with him. All right, let's let's go on to Zechariah 9, 10 B. This is the B clause of the verse. It says this. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea. And from the river to the ends of the earth. See, you thought that when the America said from sea to shining sea, that was the first time that I was ever stated, but it was actually stated about Jesus from sea to sea. He was coming to proclaim peace. All right, let's move to Mark eleven four. going back to the original story. They went and found a coat outside in the street, tied at a doorway As they untied it, verse 5, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that coat? What's interesting is it was everything that Jesus had already said. Now, the problem with us, Brother Donald, the problem with us sometimes, Jesus tells us X, Y, Z, but we do A, B, C. And then we get mad when it's not like Jesus said because you didn't do it like Jesus said do. Let let me talk to some of y'all women. Have y'all ever changed the recipe to something you was cooking and it didn't turn out the way you wanted to turn out. And when you look back on it, it's because you changed the recipe. Well, stop changing the instructions that God gives you if you want to get what God says you're supposed to have. That was just for free. I threw that out there for free. Let's move on. Let's look at verse six. They answered as Jesus had told them to and the people let them go. Verse seven. When they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Verse 8, many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Now the scene is changing. It goes from just him getting a donkey to this scene happening. And if you knew anything about kings back then, kings always had an entrance. Going back to the boxing uh, analogy, when boxers come in, they don't just go to the ring. They have a whole entrance. They usually have a song or something. They have it. They have a whole entrance. And so Jesus had an entrance. Let's look at verse nine. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted. I'm going to stop there for a second because you have to go back to Mark 10. And Mark 9 to figure out who was following him. But there were more than just the 12 disciples. There were a multitude of people 
following him. So some went ahead of him and some were behind him and he was there in the middle. So let's go back to Mark eleven nine. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. It didn't say heaven uh, later after you died. It says something about blessed to the coming of the kingdom and Hosanna in the highest heaven. In other words, heaven and earth meeting. What's what we've been talking about? So having said that, let me ask us a question. So here's the question. We'll put this up. What is so triumphant about this? Why would they care? And here's the bigger question. Why should we care? Because at the end of the day, we already know the story about the cross and all that. We believe that. But why, why, why does it even really matter? First of all, why did it matter to them? But secondarily, why would it even matter to us? Is it that big of a deal? I know it's Palm Sunday and all that, but is it really that big of a deal? So let's, let's talk about it. Because the, the, the story is actually quick. It's, he asked for a donkey. They get on the donkey. He rides. They lay stuff down. So it, it's got to be more than that. So let's dig in it. Somebody say dig into it. So let me give you seven reasons. And I'm going to do this faster than I normally do it in Bible study. Uh, actually, we're not going to have Bible study this week. So, so uh, you just have to dig in it yourself. So seven reasons. I'm going to give you seven reasons. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the reasons, just a little bit. So let's bring up the first three reasons. Number one, we represent the tied donkey. Number two, the reason we won't stay bound is because the king needs us. And number three, no one can stop us from being untied. Number one, the reason why it should matter to us, number one, is we the donkey. Oh, I'm saved. I know you say, but you the donkey. Because when you leave church, sometimes you have some donkey tendencies. When folk cut you off in traffic, sometimes you got some donkey tendencies. You don't have those tendencies on Sunday morning. But by yourself, when nobody's watching, we all got some issues in our tissue. We all got some stuff that's not always so holy. So what's so beautiful is he came not for the bishops and the popes and the cardinals, but he came for the donkey. He came for the jacked up folk. He came for the messed up folk. He came for the addicted folk. He came for the lustful folk. He came for the angry folk. He came for the anxious folk. He came for the depressed folk. He came for the messed up folk. In other words, he came for all of us. You don't have to be so special for God to come for you. As a pastor, I've always heard people say, hey, pastor, when, when I get it together, I'm going to come to church. But you don't understand. You don't have to get it together to come to church. And you really don't have to come to church because God will come to you. Because I serve a God that will come after his people. And here's the thing. The reason why we won't stay bound is because, oh, I got a degree. 
And that's the reason why I'm not going to stay married. I'm glad for your degree. Well, I got a new job, but I'm glad for your new job. But that's not the reason why you're going to be delivered. Well, well, you, you, you see, I prayed 24 days and fasted 72 hours. I'm glad you prayed and I'm glad you fasted. But that's not the main reason why you're going to be delivered. Because here's the thing. The person who had you bound don't want to let you go. But what Jesus told his disciples is tell them the master has need of them. What you don't understand about me, some of y'all who don't know me, some of y'all who do know me know that when God called me to preach the first time I heard it really as a clarion call, I tell you, I was coming down off a tequila binge hangover. I was laying down. I had been puking my guts off. I was in college and I heard God say, one day you're going to preach my word. And I've told you before, I said, I know I'm drunk now because God ain't talking to me in a state like this. But what I didn't know is before I could come to him, he was going to come after me. And now for 25 years, I've been preaching the gospel, but it's not because I'm so great. It's because when the devil had me tied, the Lord said, I got need of him. And even though the devil didn't want to let me go, he had to let me go because the master had need of me. And I'm here to let you know the master doesn't just need the preachers and the bishops, but the master needs you as well. And you might be tied up right now, but this is your coming out season because when the master calls for you, everything that's holding you back got to let you go. It may be holding you down, but it got to let you go. It may be pushing you down, but it got to let you go. Because when God says it's time, Baby, it's time. So the master has a need and no one can stop us from being untied. I need, Brother Donald, I need you for a quick example. Would you come up here real quick? It's something I learned in martial arts. So I'm just going, I'm going to put the mic right here and... Put the mic right there. I want you to hold my arms down. Put your, put my arm. Yeah, hold him down. Now he, he's a pretty strong fellow, <laughs> and he hold me down. But I'm gonna raise my hands up, and I don't want you to let me raise my hands up. Okay? You got it? Yeah. Don't don't be don't be light just because I'm the pastor. You. I got you. All right. <laughs> he got he got me. All right. I, I, and I'm gonna try to raise my hands. No, do no, no, no. Come on. You gotta do better than that. Okay, come on, put, hold me down. See, all right, go ahead. He just a strong man. <laughs> no, this is something I learned. Something I learned in uh, from a martial artist, and this is something to help you if you're ever in a place where you need defense. When somebody grabs your hands like that, they can't stop the motion of you moving your hands, no matter how strong they are, because of the way that motion is. They can't keep holding you down. Now, he might be stronger than me, but because I know how to move and I know the motion, no matter the fact that he's holding me down and don't want to let me go, he can't stop the natural motion. And when God wants you free, I don't care what's holding you down, it can't stop it. So guess what? You got to understand when it's your turn to rise, you're going to rise. When it's your turn to shine, you're going to shine. When it's your turn to bounce back, you're going to bounce back. Devil, you're holding me down, but I'm coming up. 
Debt, you're holding me down, but I'm coming up. Depression, you're holding me down, but I'm coming up. Addiction, you're holding me down, but I'm coming up. The God that I serve says you can't keep me down forever. Reminds me of the other story I tell all the time is the time that I was trying to learn how to swim at the Y and I failed miserably, still don't know how to swim, but I tried, at least I tried. And so what happened was uh, they took all the people to the deep end and the, the instructor told me to stay back in the shallow end because he didn't want nobody to drown on his watch. So while I was waiting at the shallow end, I was looking at some kids playing. And the problem was I was back there with the kids. Everybody else was down there in the deep end. But anyway, I'm like, I'm here. I might as well do something. So I was looking at these kids and they was taking this beach ball and they was pushing it down. And then it was popping back up. They was pushing it down and it was popping back up. And even though I didn't learn how to swim in that class, I got a revelation that stayed with me for the rest of my life. God spoke to me while I was watching them. And he said, what makes the ball pop up? And I'm like, I don't know. And he said, on the inside of the ball is air. And air will always transcend water. And then he said this to me. He said, Andre, as long as you have the right stuff on the inside, no matter what's pushing you down on the outside, it won't be able to hold you down. It can hold you down momentarily, but it can't hold you down forever. And the moment it lifts up its hands off of you, you're going to shoot to the top. And the more it pushes you down, the more you bounce right back up. And I don't know who this is for, but if you have triumph on the inside, if you have a winning mentality on the inside, if you have a bounce back mentality on the inside whatever is holding you down it can't hold you down forever trouble has an expiration date it can't last forever and weeping may endure for a night but joy is coming in the morning i'm rising to the top if you're rising to the top you ought to shout i'm rising to the top that's why we should care Nothing can stop us from being tired. Now, I got to move on, but I thought about this, is that maybe it was tied for the purpose of God. So maybe when you got addicted, it wasn't all the devil. Maybe God allowed it because he's going to use you to help other people not get addicted or help other people bounce back from addiction. So some of us, we look back on our past and we are ashamed of our past. But when you know how God works, everything is working for your good. The good, the bad, and the ugly. God is working all for your good. All right, let's move right on along. So that was one, two, and three. Let's move on to four, five, and six. This is, makes it even more beautiful. Number four, Jesus has chosen to rest on us. Not only did Jesus come for the donkey, but he sat on him. Now, whenever you're riding, of course, he's riding a donkey. But when you're riding in your car, even though you're driving, you are actually at a state of what we call rest. You are at a state of rest because you are resting. And what makes me special is not me. It's what's inside of me, but also what's resting on me. God is, he has chosen to sit on me. He's chosen to rest on me. There's some stuff I shouldn't be able to do, and I don't know how I get it done, but 
God is on me. There's some stuff you should have went down in. You should have failed in. And I don't know how you came back up, but God is on you. And what you have to understand that he chose to rest on you. So there's no need you trying to get out of it. And I always think, oh, Jesus, don't. Don't mess with me. I'm too, I'm too lowly. I'm too messed up. Shut up. He knew what you was when he chose you. He didn't choose. Now, even back in the day, he could have chose a chariot. He could have chose a horse. He could even chose a camel or a big elephant. He chose a donkey. He chose the lowest of low. So guess what? I don't care how low you are. If God chooses to sit on you, you what you got to learn how to tell people, don't get mad at me, get mad at God. Folk is mad at the car you drive. It's not me, it's God. They're mad at the house you're in. It's not me. It's God. They're mad at the intellect you have. It's not me. It's God. They're mad because you came out of a relationship. See, the person who left you said you ain't going to be nothing when I leave you. And then they turn around and you happen to be better off without them than you were with them. And it bothers them. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at God because he's the one that chose to rest on me. And as long as God is on me, there's nothing in this world that can slow me down alright number five so we got four or five this makes it more powerful therefore we are carriers of the divine presence I love church sister Teresa I love church but growing up they wanted us in church all the time and all day long. And I love church. But folk don't need the presence of God just in here. They need the presence of God out there. So we got to stop having so many services in here. And we got to start reaching folk out there. And you got to understand you are a carrier of the divine presence. You're not at your job just to get a paycheck. You're at your job to bring the divine presence to your job. You're not in the airplane just to go on vacation, but you're in the airplane so that it can't go down for nobody else because when you got on there, you brought the divine presence with you. You don't know how special you are, and that's why the devil keeps trying to devalue you and tell you you're nothing, but you are a carrier of the divine presence. You are an awesome, mighty thing, and don't you stay down too long because we need you. Oh, little old me, yeah, little old you, we need you. This uh, this oil is prayed over. It's blessed oil. It's uh, what we use when we're looking for a miracle. We're looking for de- deliverance. It is powerful, but guess what? The container it is in, it came from the dollar store. No, no let me change that. It came from the dollar store. Because... It's the do- I call it the dollar store now because that ain't gone up so high. But back when everything was cheap, it was a dollar store. This came from the dollar store. So the container is nothing special, but what's in the container. So yes, you're not that special. 
Yes, you've been molested. And yes, you done done some so wrong. And some of y'all did the molesting and you done done some bad stuff. But it's not about what you did back then. It's about who you can be right now based on what's inside of you. Yes, you got a dollar store mentality. You got a dollar store life. You got a dollar store path. But when the oil gets inside of you, when the presence gets inside of you, and when the presence sits on you. You become a carrier of the divine presence. Don't look at me on who I used to be. Don't look at me on how I used to act. Don't look at me on what I used to do. I am somebody in God. I am wise. I am smart. I am kind. I am important. I am handsome. I am beautiful. I am good looking. You better talk to yourself because you are a carrier of the divine presence. Now, you, you, you take um, Air Force One, then you take a regular plane from Southwest. Sometimes it's the same type of plane, same type of engine. The only difference is who's on board. Because one is carrying the presence of the United States. There's going to be secret service. There's going to be all kinds of things different than just the Southwest one because of who is inside. And here's the thing. Yes, maybe you are just, let, let me, let me lower it. You ain't even Southwest. You are spirit airlines. You, you frontier. You, you ain't Delta United American. You, you, the, you the low ones. But if the spirit steps inside, I don't care what you were before he found you, but when he finds your donkey self and he sits on you, you become something special. Carry of the divine presence. All right, number six. And here's one that I'm going to take a little more time to explain. So number six, we receive help to bring help to our surroundings. I pretty much said that yeah, when we become a divine carrier of the presence, we actually affect the surroundings around us. So we receive help so that we can help our surroundings. So let's put this graphic up. Last uh, year we did a big thing with the palm branches if you remember that I hope some of y'all still kept your palm branches but they cried out Hosanna which is a Hebrew word and so let's put this other picture up and show you what the Hebrew word means it simply means please save us it it is what's interesting it is a cry for help but it also became a praise and the reason why it became a praise it went from a cry from help to a praise is because they were calling the only one who could actually save them. And so it's one thing to call for help and there's nobody to help you. It's another thing to call for help and the person that could help you is right near you and they can hear you. So then they changed Hosanna from a cry for help to being a praise. And so that's why sometimes when you're praising, you start crying. Sometimes when the praises go up, tears start coming down your eyes and you wonder what's wrong with me. No, you're saying, God, I know you're the only one that can help me. You're the only one that can fix this. I, I know everybody in the church don't know what I'm really going through. They don't know what I'm really facing. They don't know how bad it really is. But God, if you can help anybody, God, I need you to stop by and help this little fella. I need you to stop by and see about me. And there's something about your praise. When praises go up, 
blessings come down. And I know the Savior that alert that can lean down and can grab you and can lift you up. And that's why we don't always need to be just in church. Because some people think you can only praise God in church. No, you got to learn how to praise God on your job, in your house. You got to learn how to praise God wherever you are. I've had some praise breaks that didn't have no organ, didn't have no drum, but I had a praise break me and the Lord because I know what God is about to do. I praise him on the stuff that he hadn't even done yet, but something hit me and I had a feeling that everything going to be all right. I praise God and believe God and I've watched God work some stuff out. And if you're in a tough time and if you're in a bad space, if your back is up against the wall, you got to learn how to praise God and say, Hosanna, come see about me. Hosanna, come work this out. Hosanna, get me out of this bind I'm in. Hosanna, break me out of this prison I'm in. Hosanna, I need your help. Nothing wrong with crying for help. Look, let's look at the actual use of this word. It's translated for us to understand in English, but the actual use of this word is found in Psalms 118.25. Let's read that. It says this, save now. I like that. He ain't, I ain't talking about next week. I ain't talking about 10 years from now. Save now. I beseech thee, or I beg thee, O Lord, or Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Oh, you if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be broke, busted, and disgusted, and poor all your life. You're supposed to be at the soup kitchen. There's nothing wrong if that's where you are momentarily. But the Bible said, ain't nothing wrong for you calling and say, send now prosperity. Send now and get me out of this. I need some stuff flowing now. Like I said, I don't need it in heaven. I don't need a vacation to Aruba in heaven. I want that right now so God make a way now. I want some of y'all to start dreaming again. Stop just looking at Instagram and getting mad at somebody else's life, but pray to God, God let me have some of that right now. You look at folk at Pacers games and getting mad. You can go to a Pacer game too. Stop getting mad at folks. Save your money. Pray to God and let God work some stuff out in your favor. All right, let's let's look at this in the the New International Version. The same thing, but I'm going to add another verse to it. Psalms one eighteen twenty five through twenty six. The original Hebrew was where Hosanna was in this verse. Let's look at how the New International says it. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord. We bless you. So this is the very thing they said when Jesus showed up. They said, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. He's here to save. He's here to bring deliverance. He's here to rescue. He's here to prosper. He's here to bring us some success. Now, the world and YouTube will tell you all kinds of ways to get success, but we want success God's way. All right, so let's uh, give you the seventh reason. So we, we went through all six. Let's give you the seventh reason. Here's the seventh reason. Say it this way. Alpha and Omega. Beginning and end. Entrance and return. All right, so this is the triumphal entry. It's the entry where he shows triumphant and we see that he is kingly, even though he was lowly. 
because he took a different path to bring the kingdom. I won't go backwards because we talked about that already, but he basically took the kingship by going to the cross. And so now it confused the people who cried Hosanna because the same people who cried Hosanna some verses later was crying crucify him. And that's the way we are. Sometimes we're praising him one minute, crucifying him the next, but he still keep coming after us. And so he's alpha and he's omega, which means he's the beginning and he's the end. So when he came and entered as king, he also has to return as king. And the reason why much of it was lost is because he went to the cross and he died. So the people, especially the Jewish people of that day, they were expecting him to overthrow Rome and become a literal king, set up a literal kingdom right then and there. And it didn't happen. He came, he died, he rose, he ascended and poof, he was gone. And others was like, we don't even believe he was really real. Maybe the disciples hid his body. So people stopped believing altogether because of the way he maneuvered, the way he moved. Didn't look so kingly. It almost looked like he lost. But he's alpha and omega. So he's beginning and the end. So what Jesus actually did, he started in the beginning and then he fast forward to the end. And now we're working it backwards to see how they all meet together. The people didn't catch it. They didn't realize it. But the whole thing he was doing, he was laying the whole thing out. But he did it not just for the people that was there then in that time, in that century. But really, he did it for you and I. Here's something that I wrote. I'm going to put it up in black for them to uh, put it up there. And this is just my own notes. If it was entrance only, we would have been left out. I'm talking about you and I. Because the Old Testament promises were for Israel only. But God wanted all of us to have access. So he started the work. But through death, there will be much more to return to. So he started the work in Israel among those people. But then he died so that there is much more for him to return to. In other words, he would have only had Israel only. All right, let's give you just a, a couple of verses to prove it. Hebrews 11.39. Hebrews 11.39. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith, where they talk about all the faith people. And at the end of that chapter, this is what it says. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God promised. Why? Let's look at verse 40. This is the last verse of that chapter. Verse 40 says this, for God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. So God held some stuff back for them because of us. They didn't get everything because God wanted us. Let, let me give you an example. There's times where I'm going in a place that I understand. I'm driving in a place that I understand. Let me say, let, let me say I'm, I'm leading Curtis to Chicago and Curtis is driving behind me and I've been on the Dan Ryan. I know how to go, but because he's following me, sometimes I got to slow up, not for me, but for the person that's coming behind. 
And if you've ever followed somebody who forgets you following them, it's frustrating because I need you to at least put on your turn signal so I know when you're going to turn. I know when you're going to change. I can't stand following somebody who leads me in the dust and be like, just catch up. No, you're supposed to be leading me. So if you're leading me and the light is yellow, slow down. Don't run through it because I'm back there. Well, Jesus said, if I go and set up my kingdom right now, all these other folk going to be left behind. And Israel would have been okay with that. But God said, I created the world. I don't just want one or two folk. I don't just want one ethnicity. I want all of them. So I'm holding some things back so everybody can be included. All right, let's let's put this up. This is another note of mine. That's what makes it a triumph. It's no longer just one people group. The promises now are for, are for all who believe. That is the win. See, before you had to be born in the right family in order to win. But now all you got to do is believe. See, I wasn't born a gate, so I have no access to Bill Gates' money. I was born a Mitchell, and when I see my bills every now and then, I wish my last name was Gates, but I can't change the structure of my DNA. I am who I am. But God says no matter who you are born to, if you put your faith and your trust in the king, you get to be a part of the kingdom and that makes it a win because it's for everybody who believes well it's for all the folk who ain't never smoked dope in their life no it's for all the straight folk the gay folk don't have nothing no no that ain't what the bible said it's for all who believe all right having said that i've got i've got another passage of scripture it's a lengthy passage of scripture but I'm not going to spend a lot of time preaching on it. I'm actually just going to read through it. So now what we're going to do, because we know of the wind, we're going to go back and pick up a promise in Isaiah, a promise that was only for Israel in their day, but now it's a promise for all of us. So Isaiah 62, 1 through 7 and 10 through 12. I'm all, I almost wanted to read the entire chapter, but I'm skipping 8 and 9, and we're just going to read these, and then we're going to close with our communion. So let's go Isaiah 62 and 1. So when you think of this promise that was for Israel only, now include yourself in that thinking. So it says for Zion's sake, so that means us, the church, all who believe. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn. Her salvation like a blazing torch. God says, I'm about to light your path with some goodness. You started on the bottom, but now you about to be on the top. Let's look at verse two. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. Yeah, they talked about you in years past, but you got a new name and it's a name of victory. Let's look at verse three. Go ahead and make it solid so they can see it clearly. Isaiah 62 and three, you will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. A royal diadem in the hand of your God means God now has a crown and you're the crown that he wears. Yeah, you used to be on the bottom, but now you're the crown on the top of the king's head. 
Isaiah 62 and 4, no longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah. Hephzibah means delightful and Beulah means merry. So that's why the scripture says, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be merry. So now, let me excuse my terminology. Yeah, they're not going to call you slut no more. They're going to call you the bride of Christ. Verse 5. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I got to pause and say this. I remember over there in the building that we tore down. I remember on my wedding day after I walked down the aisle in my white tuxedo looking good, if I can say so myself. I thought I was something special. But baby, when the doors opened and Lady Devin walked down that aisle with her daddy holding her arm, tears began to come out of my eyes. It was like the angel was just glistening off of her forehead. It's like, oh, I heard angels singing, boy. It looked good. I was like, this one belonged to me. And let me be honest, I wasn't just thinking about her walking down the aisle. I was thinking about later on that night, this one belonged to me. But what I'm trying to tell you, the devil said you was no good, but when you wake up in the morning, God is smiling over you. That's why you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because God is smiling over his people. And that includes you, all who believe. But I don't know as many scriptures you do. Pastor, forget all that. Do you believe? If you believe God is married to you, let's look at verse six. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. Verse seven and give him no rest till he established Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Basically, he's saying, I want you I, I Establish people to start talking about you in a good way, but I want you to start talking about it and I don't want you to give me rest until I do what I said I was going to do in your life. If you got a business and God told you to start the business and your business is struggling and it's rough and you broke, God says, I don't want you to give me no rest until your business comes back on the top because I'm the one who gave it to you. I'm the one who started it. If your marriage is on the rocks, I don't want you to stop crying out until God shows up and turns things around. I want you to know I'm married to you. That means the good bad and the ugly. That means for richer, for poor, till death do us part. I'm with you and so I want you to believe I'm going to come through for you. Let me throw this in real quick. Not too long. We hadn't been married not too long and my wife started talking about a right-handed ring. I'm like, what's a right-handed ring? She's like, it's a diamond for the right hand. I'm like, ain't the diamond on your left hand good enough? And she just smiled. But guess what she ended up getting is a right-handed ring because she my baby. And if she want it, I got to find a way to make it happen. And here's what I got you get you to understand. If God is married to you, there's some desires of your heart that haven't come to pass yet. Some of y'all don't want money. You don't want airplanes and mansions. You just want your family saved. Well, I'm here to let you know God is not going to stop till every one of them jokers get saved. He's a God that's married to his people. 
Now before, this is only a promise for Israel, but it's a promise for all of us now. A few more verses. Never done. I'm skipping down to verse 10. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. Raise a banner for the nations. In other words, get all the obstacles out the way and raise up the championship banner. Here on Monday, somebody's going to raise up the college banner. And, and the women, I think they, they play today. They're going to raise up a banner. And God says, I'm moving out all the obstacles. And at the end of the day, you're going to have a banner to hang up. And when you go into a stadium, there's banners to show what they want. And I'm here to let you know that's about to be banners in the spiritual. When you walk in the world, there's banners hanging and showing what you defeated. And it wasn't you. It was the one who was sitting on you. Verse 11. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your Savior comes. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. God is going to bless his people. Final verse, verse 12. They will be called the holy people. The redeemed of the Lord means the bought back purchased people. And you will be called sought after the city no longer deserted. I don't care what's happened up until this point. Your life is about to change because of who you asked to come and sit on your life. And so there's a lot of things we can say, but I'm going to close with this declaration. We'll do it three times. We'll impact and then we'll go right into our communion. So let's put this declaration up. We're going to say it. Repeat it after me. We win in the end. Amen. I'm glad we're doing it three times because that was weak as pine water. Pastor Andre, what's pine water? That's when pine saw got low and you got to put some water in it to stretch it. That's what that was. That was weak. We got to, one more time, we win in the end. Oh, come on. That's more like some Clorox bleach. That was a little bit better. One final time with emphasis. We win in the end. Come on, let's rise to our feet. Kingdom triumph. Clap your hands. We're going to go right into our communion. And what we're going to do, I want us to go ahead and just take the, uh, the wafer and the drink, and we're going to all drink it right now. I'll do it right now, and then I'll read the verses, and we'll close in prayer. Amen. I'm going to read the verses. This is in remembrance of our king. Would you guys go ahead and bring it up? Communion. We're doing this in remembrance of our king, our triumphant king. First Corinthians 11, 23 says, it's for I received from the Lord, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. So after his triumphant entry, he moved. And later on that week, he was betrayed, but he took the bread. Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, which we've already done. Final verse, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes or until he returns and finishes it up. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. 
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this Palm Sunday. We thank you for being the Lord that saves. So when we cried out for your saving, God, we thank you for doing it. And God, all the benefits that are going to come from us walking with you, don't let us be scared to walk in them. Let us progress in them and believe and receive that this is our coming out day. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. We love you so much.